0: The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.
1: Doctor? Doctor?
2: Doctor? 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 Doctor?
0: You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr.
2: Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And good morning everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel. In a couple of minutes I'll be joined by my co-host Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and a team physician with the Chicago White Sox. He's also sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University. Medical Center. I know you're going to enjoy the show. A lot of great topics this week. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. We're going to go to break. Come back with Dr. Brian Cole right after this on ESPN Radio.
1: Returning patients who suffer from cartilage defects to an active lifestyle is the goal. Prochondrix, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore life. To learn more about Prochondrix or allografts, visit prochondrix.org. That's p r o c h o n d r i x dot org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000.
2: Welcome back, everyone, to Saturday morning Sports Medicine Weekly. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole, are you aware that one of the uh, fastest growing sports in Chicago is a sport called platform tennis? You've played?
0: I have not, but I'm thoroughly aware. Uh, it's a huge sport. Virtually every club in the city now has it, but I tend to see. You know, it's interesting. Even being located in the city, you would think that most of our our patients are coming from you know around the Chicago area, but this is an enormous sport in the suburbs. This is a sport that uh, this is sort of the, uh, I guess you'd say the, and this is not derogative, so don't I hope no one takes it the wrong way. This is the soccer mom sport. This is the sport that uh, women whose kids are now in school during the day, it's a huge female sport as well as male sport. They play together. They're in teams. It's super competitive. So it's sort of like tennis on steroids. So I I will say on any given week we're seeing, um, I'm seeing these people come in and say, look, this is the one thing that keeps me together the ability to, be, to play paddle tennis, uh, platform tennis. If I can't do this, this is a real problem, and I need to be fixed.
2: It's, it's played outdoors on a
0: heated, raised platform. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it is cool. And, um, you know, unf- unfortunately we're seeing injuries, but, look, I only get the numerator. In other words, I don't know what the denominator is. I'm only seeing the people come in hurt. I, I anticipate that there's thousands of people doing this and, and, and enjoying it.
2: Let's bring on one of your partners from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, M-O-R, in studio with us. He is a sports medicine Physician Dr. Jeremy Allen, how are you, Dr. Jeremy?
3: I'm great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Brian. Well, tell
2: us um, the growing popularity of platform tennis. Uh, it's also called paddle tennis. Why is it becoming so popular here in the Chicago area?
3: That's a that's a great question. Uh, we uh, in the Chicagoland area are known for having very severe winters, uh, and so we spend a lot of our time indoors. And uh, this was primarily an East Coast sport because they have very similar climate to us, and it's made its way to the Midwest because when we're in the winter months and we don't want to be indoors we want to keep playing our tennis sports and so this is a sport you can keep playing all throughout the winter
2: absolutely so um, why gentlemen both dr. Cole dr. Allen is it uh, a sport that makes it so prone to injuries
0: well I mean I'm you're you're gonna be the expert on this because I know you've done some work on the epidemiology of injuries and so forth but I have to imagine the cold weather you're dealing with an age group that uh, has probably found a new activity that uh, that they're not accustomed to doing right it's a little like the CrossFit phenomenon and um, I, I would anticipate a lot of this is sort of weather, maybe stretching issue, warm-up, and so forth, and now these guys really warming up to play? Because I understand, as I understand it, these have been a lot of lower extremity injuries. But I will tell you, I've seen a lot of these injuries with collision. I have some uh, males who have had, uh, they've already had arthritis, and then they are just, they're suffering from the symptoms of arthritis, who end up getting surgery to get back to play again. I have one guy actually recently from the North Shore who, bilateral shoulder replacements who's a, a, a paddle tennis player and that's all he wanted was to get back to paddle that's you know it's the one thing that he and his wife both do that that sort of keeps them they do it socially and they do it you know to, to, to stay fit and that's the only activity they do each of them but does it have to do with the, the cold weather do you think or is that part of it or yeah they... i think
3: um there's the obvious which is it's played in really cold weather yeah uh, and in fact uh, avid tennis or uh, paddle players prefer the bad weather when you have your 60-degree day, when we'd all want to be out playing regular tennis, that the sun's in their eyes. They can't see very well. The conditions just don't match up very well. They want the cold weather. So, yeah, that's a that's a big factor. The average age is 40 to 65, yep. Yep. so you're going to see a lot more injuries in, in that age group. Uh, these are not professional athletes. These are people that are doing this for fun. Um, but some of the things are not so common or, or maybe don't come right to your head, and that's that it's a very social sport. So. Uh, players are showing up. Uh, there's oftentimes uh, adult beverages mixed in, um, and after or during or before um, uh, all of the above. Yeah, probably not, <laughs> not, right? okay. depends yeah. on the uh, the uh, tournament, um, and and then at the same time, um, uh, just like any sort of club sport that we see, uh, uh, the courts are rented off and are high priority, and so people show up right at their club time, uh, right at their court time, and they start playing. And there's uh, there's very little warm up and uh, very little uh, thought to making sure the body's ready to go.
2: We're visiting with Dr. Jeremy Allen from Midwest Orthopedics Rush. Russia. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Sports Medicine Weekly coming to you each and every Saturday morning here on ESPN Radio. Dr. Allen, uh, you guys recently coordinated a survey at MOR, Midwest Orthopedics at Russia, of platform tennis players. Uh, what did that show? Why the survey?
3: Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up, Steve. So um, this is the first study of its kind. There, there had been one other study done in 2015 in Spain, but never in the United States, and it was only on senior uh, uh, players out in Spain. So uh, we really didn't have an idea w- of what was happening to these to these athletes. So uh, Dr. Lidi Ganada, one of my partners, really helped spearhead this, and um, the American Platform Tennis Association is a, a group of 16,000 uh, platform tennis players. We were able to survey all of them, uh, and we got uh, over 1,000 responses in the first day. Uh, and with all the responses that came back, it showed uh, at least two-thirds of them are having an injury. Uh, so we knew that there were injuries. We were seeing them Two in our thirds. clinic. Two-thirds, wow. But, but it really put uh, a number to what, it.
0: What, let me ask you a question. Are these people who previously didn't have much before in terms of an activity level that was done in any competitive way? Or do you think they're getting away from one sport and going to a new sport?
3: Uh, pri- so good, good point. Uh, we're looking through that data right now. Primarily, they are playing other sports. I think most commonly, we're seeing tennis and golf are the two other most primarily.
0: Uh, and this sports. is, w- do you think this is more physical than tennis?
3: It's different physical. Uh, tennis uh, is a bigger court, so the the platform court's about a third the size. So you're mm-hmm. talking about quick, sudden movements on the platform yeah. court in cold weather versus longer movements, sprinting, running back and forth, changing direction on the tennis court. So I think the suddenness of it is a little bit different. I mean, I will
0: tell you just anecdotally what I see, and, I, and, I, and I'm not joking, this is a weekly thing, okay? And you almost can walk in the room and, and know what's going on. And it's either a aggravation of a knee problem, typically cartilage, meniscus, or arthritic change. Or it's a shoulder issue. Those are the two things. Now I'm sure there's a lot of foot and ankle, but I don't do much foot and ankle. But what, what's your sense of give me the top five?
3: Yeah. So great question. So the first the the, the most common was actually calf and shin at about twenty
0: percent. Okay. So uh, those yeah. is concept tennis players calf, right? right? Tell tell us what that is. Say that one more time. Tennis players calf. The Ten- one, you know, the gastroc strain that, that, that happens that, that happens in this age group.
3: Yeah, and, and both overuse and acute. So they, right. they go and they reach for the tennis ball a little bit further for them, and the next thing you know, they have that pole in the Right, gastro. so that's the
0: same thing they're getting in, in platform tennis. Exactly, okay. exactly.
3: And then the, the next most common was knee uh, followed by uh, actually elbow, so we make it to the upper extremity in the third and then followed by uh, thigh and then lastly into the shoulder so two upper extremity three lower extremity but percentage-wise mostly in the lower extremity
0: so what words of wisdom do you have for our paddle tennis listeners because i'm sure we have a bunch
3: yeah so uh one other thing you brought up which is a good point is that uh, about 60 percent of these were overuse injuries so it is from playing a lot maybe not taking fully care of your body um and so with this data, which I think is really important because we didn't know what injuries were happening to these uh, players, I think we may be able to make a, a huge dent in these and, and possibly prevent a lot of injuries. You know, The biggest thing that, that, that we've taken away from this is that the warm-up is so important, especially both literally and the fact that it's freezing cold water or excuse me weather, but also because uh, most players are showing up and just starting to play, and we can prevent, prevent uh, a lot of these injuries uh, if they're showing up and warming up. And what's the suggested warm-up, Doc? So, uh, great question. Uh, we typically- We're really
0: full of great questions. We've been doing this for seven years now. we got lots of questions. We have no <laughs> answers. we got lots of questions. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the,
3: the, the stre- what we used to think of a warm-up was you know, static stretching, sit down, touch your toes, swing a few times back and forth and get ready to go. And right. we really know that it's important now to, to be doing a dynamic warm-up where you're almost sweating before you play. So uh, I really just say make sure you have a sweat before you get up there. So a lot of the paddles tennis courts have uh, a stairs and a parking lot. So we say run up and down the stairs a few times, get a sweat going, go out to the parking lot, do a few laps, some high knees, butt kicks, uh, side-to-side motions, things that replicate uh, the tennis motion, and you should be uh, a little bit as uh, uh, spitzy before you get going.
2: It's the same thing with golf. People laugh, and we're going to get into golf. Uh, I know Dr. Cole talking with uh, – one of my swing instructors, or my swing instructor.
0: That's that's your interview, Steve. It that's will gonna be. be. No, we're going to get some uh, sports medicine <laughs> talk in there.
2: But um, I say the same thing. I mean, I get to the range, and I'm stiff as a board, you know, and and you want to see people say, do jumping jacks, run around, do something. So it's so important, though.
3: It really is, and it's funny because you can tell that people think that they look stupid when they're doing it, but really those are the people that don't get hurt and they keep showing up every weekend versus the other people who have to take weekends off. Great well, stuff. Well,
0: one last question, you know, about the warm-up thing. You know, in baseball we say throw-to-throw, throw, you know, to start – obviously they do various stretches and so forth, but generally lower velocity up to higher velocity, right, for a warm-up. What can these guys do that's sport-specific to get warmed up? They hit the ball off the wall. Is there certain, you know, there's obviously the basic warm-up things that you described in stretching, dynamic stretching sure. and so forth. Uh, But what do do they start at a low intensity and then elevate up?
3: Definitely possible. So rather than getting right into playing the game, you only have your hour for the court. So you usually want to get in and get the score going. But if you can spend a little time volleying back and forth, do some uh, actual motions where you're you're playing out points that maybe don't necessarily count and going back and forth, uh, I think that would be appropriate. Off the wall is a little bit more difficult. But the players are so uh, uh, collegial that you just get back and forth and rally a little bit. Right. Thanks.
2: Jeremy. How about this? So it's the growing popularity of platform or paddle tennis and Midwest Orthopedics at Rush even has their own platform tennis hotline, right? <laughs> 855-603-4141. How many hotlines do you have, Dr. Cole? Nah, this is an important, this is the hottest hotline. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean that's amazing. Again, yeah. MOR platform tennis hotline 855-603-4141. Great stuff. Dr. Jeremy Allen, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate
2: Appreciate it. Back with more Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages. On ESPN Radio.
4: Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkins' 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods Cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP Done-For-You Cleanse comes with a 14-Day Transformation Wellness Bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, Fat-Burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, Snacks, Superfoods, Recipes, Guidelines, Videos, and Other Surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmalkin.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com.
2: We're excited to announce our new Sports Medicine Weekly custom podcast app on iTunes. It's all free. Just go to the App Store, search for Sports Medicine Weekly. Our app gives listeners easy access to their favorite Sports Medicine Weekly shows without getting lost in confusing screens and pop-up ads. The team at Sports Medicine Weekly is dedicated to delivering content to our listeners on the latest in fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. Optimize your performance with the Sports Medicine Weekly app. As always, we thank our loyal listening and social media
4: followers.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole. Net proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. Our producer, board operator, is Felix Reyes. And reminder to reach out to us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at SMW Home. You can also access prior shows, interviews, and valuable resources on sports injury and fitness. Please visit our blog at sportsmedicineweekly.com. Dr. Cole, time to uh, have a little conversation about what's going on in the NBA. You, I understand, are the chairman of the NBA Research Committee. What does that mean?
0: Well, the, you know, we the NBA Physician Society has a number of committees, communication, science, uh, membership, and, and research, and the research committee has been very active. Every sports society, the NFL, hockey, baseball, MLB, have these research uh, groups which sort of coordinate all the efforts behind the scenes looking at data, statistics of injury, projects, We've looked on everything from vitamin D to sleep to the incidence of ankle injuries to uh, how to uh, how how things are treated, the return to spore rate, and so forth. So it's a committee that's very collaborative. We have a number of members on it, and the great thing is that there's representation from the players' association, the uh, and and uh, uh, from the NBA main office. So they're really involved and invested in the in the whole research process and. I'll tell you that since I've been involved with the NBA Physician Society, we've had at least a half a dozen publications that have contributed to decision-making in NBA players. We now have video cameras in all uh, stadiums that acquire data that talk about uh, speed, acceleration, physiologic load, what the players are seeing during game times. There's a number of projects we have ongoing now looking at the incidence of injury related to minutes of play, when they happen. Uh, player, position, so forth. So, you know, look, when you think about it, players are assets, and uh, they, the whole objective is to keep them safe, healthy, and if they do get injured, what's the quickest way to get them back? So there's so much information out there. The, the hard part is there's too much information. How do you figure out what's relevant and what's not relevant? So, for example, when the combine uh, years ago I did a study where Every, I think I've told you this before, every year preseason we get MRIs of the knees of all of our players. And the incidence of cartilage tears or damage ranges between 30 and 45 percent. But none of them know they have this stuff. You know, the MRI is a really sensitive tool to pick up abnormalities. And you've heard me say before, you know, we treat people, not MRIs. And people are so obsessed with what's on an MRI. But the reality is, this is a situation where the, all of these findings had no clinical relevance, but we documented them. So now the NBA has a grant that is a, a $1.5 million grant, half by the NBA, half by a GE, which is an imaging company, where we're going to image players who agree and consent to this, and then ultimately we'd love to track them over time. But at the, at the very least, what we're going to do is get a snapshot of the incidents of abnormalities when they enter into the NBA and try to figure out if there's any relationship to the number of years they've been playing, to their size, to what position they play, to their, you know, body habitus, all of those things, to try to figure out what leads to the findings that we're seeing. What's really most important is what the natural history of these. How does play lead to changes, if it does at all, in these findings? You know, what could be predictive of a problem that might happen downstream if we pick these things up incidentally? So that's one test, one study we're doing. There's, so the NBA has been incredibly supportive. There's always that challenge because, you know, the confidentiality issue, no team wants to have, you know, uh, another team have information that the other doesn't. So we're extraordinarily sensitive to confidentiality and making sure that, you know, for example, all of the data that we collect, I have no idea who, it's, what, who the player is. It's completely blinded. So all we're doing is scoring yeah, and that's tallying. that's safe, though. That's smart. It is safe, yeah. And, you know, you just have to, it's all on how you communicate and message this, but, we want them to be behind it because I think we can make a big difference in injury rates. So we can make it uh, get a better understanding of how and when these guys get hurt. It's a it's one of the most brutal sports. Now that I've come to appreciate it at a level that I do, out of, I think from a physicality point of view, if you watch, you do, you're sitting on the sidelines, you see how physical it is. I mean, yeah. Doesn't it blow you away that a guy gets hit? I mean, look at look at the series for for Boston, right? You see uh, what happened, you know, how physical it was with Jimmy, how Isaiah gets knocked down and Isaiah Thomas gets knocked down and then gets right back up, you know, and like completely unaffected. Right. Or you may see a guy start to limp for a couple, of you know, steps and then it goes away. I mean, if that was you or me and we got clobbered like that, we wouldn't be getting up.
2: But I think it's a lot less violent or physical than it used to be. Back when Norm Van Leer and Jerry Sloan were playing in these guys in the 70s, yeah, but they, I mean, they, but nobody you, fouls out anymore. you got six yeah, fouls. When's the last called. time somebody fouled out? Right. Maybe they're just calling it loose or they, they let the guys play. But, I mean, like Norm Van Leer used to tell me, you know, when someone goes to the lane like little Isaiah Thomas and tries to make a layup, if he makes two in a row, you're decking him the third time. And they didn't f- call fragrant fouls, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you were using your fouls. Yeah, but do you
0: remember injuries happening then from fouls? Was that a common thing or not? Do you um, not really. There yeah. weren't
2: as many contact injuries. Right. When you, are, what are you I finding these guys though, are, aren't well, they? These guys are, I mean, the thing is Are big. you finding a lot of contact injuries?
0: Um, that's a fair question. That's a great question. You know, we have all that data, the injury data. And I would say that um, no, I mean, a lot of this is non-contact. Yeah, that's what I'm learning on the show, doing over, with you. Yeah, overuse mm-hmm. uh, may be related. Some of them are just, some of them are contact and trauma, and there's no getting away from it. You know, right? Uh, getting need in the quad, uh, you know, get you know the shoulder getting pulled to a certain level, where they dislocate the shoulder. Um, Joe Kim had that, right, a couple of right, years ago? Right, You know, there are certain things that a player cannot control, and that's what happens. Sometimes it's a fluke. I mean, a guy yeah, ran well, into, most it, times into it a is. pick yeah. or something, right. and all well, of a sudden, yeah. you know,
2: Heinrich used to get hurt like that, didn't he? A couple of yeah. contact injuries. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, I mean, and it's interesting how the buckets of injuries tend to happen with a few guys. Like, we, if you look at the statistics, which are publicly available, and you look at the days lost to injury, not uncommonly, it's a couple guys who harbor the majority of the days that are lost to injury you know so if you're a team that has a couple of those guys it's just they're maybe more prone and it did yeah. it, it, you know the, the, some of them and then you take you know i don't i, I don't ever like to, to jinx us but you know who these guys are who get just they're so incredibly physical but they don't get hurt right and i it's and we're not, it's not that we're doing a lot any that different i just to be able to figure out what that ingredient is to why some are prone and some are not you know, um, it would be fascinating.
2: Well, what about just the scheduling? I mean, may your studies and being on the NBA research committee lead to what everyone hopes is going to be fewer four games in five nights, fewer back to backs. I mean, the bulls played 17 games in the month of December. I don't ever remember as long yeah. as I've been doing the bulls since 1991, having that many games in one month, yeah. 17
0: games in December. Yeah. That was amazing. Right. And you got some guys who are playing in excess of, you know, 40 minutes. So it's, at that pace, wow. how many? You know, you're talking seven, eight, nine, ten miles of running, and all oh, the traveling. That's yeah. the other part of it, isn't right. it? I mean, yeah, are you guys sure. doing any sleep studies? Of and these oh, guys yeah, crossing
2: time zones.
0: Yeah. So what's happening now is there's sleep monitoring. There, you know, the, we have a there's a high level of interest, and they're we're taking a look in some organizations of how uh, sleep affects this. So that's that's another part in terms of recovery and so forth. Because a lot of these guys just never catch up on their sleep. And I think performance and everything else is probably intrinsically related to that as well. So, yeah, so the sleep, the nutrition is a key issue. The recovery afterwards, um, it's a—it's grueling. I mean, it is really, really, I'm, I'm increasingly, it doesn't get any, like, it gets more magical to me as time goes on because I, I'm amazed that we don't see more given what these guys do, you know. And I think that's with a lot of these sports. I mean, for, you take the NFL, take hockey, I mean, when you really look at it, there's got to be a lot of selection bias. The guys are at the level they're at right now because they were able to sustain it. It's like survival of the fittest, you know? I mean, it's not the average person. This has to be an individual who can withstand these kinds of forces and, and come out generally but not always unscathed.
2: I always feel bad for the NFL players because, you know, they, to me they get paid the lowest and uh, there's they're no not, real yeah, guaranteed, guaranteed money besides it, the bonuses. Yeah, and and I don't if know you what, get hurt yeah. and you finish your career, you're in a some sort of <clears> buyout, you know? NBA player gets hurt. He's on the, you know... Uh, the team's on the hook for you know 100 million they got to pay him all hundred yeah million. no
0: I will tell you it's a fascinating office visit if I have an NFL player in the office versus an NBA player the conversation based upon contract you know the uh, timing when you treat what you do isn't you could take the exact same problem and come up with a different answer just based on the sport where they are with the contract because of those issues you know, yeah. it's not you' we're often having to treat much more than just the injury but address the entire system because when you think about it they're really assets. And how do you, at the same time, keep them as patients and always have their best interest in terms of a human being, but at the same time, they also want to be preserved so that they have the greatest value? So you can imagine how those conversations might go uh, when there's something above and beyond health that factors into decision-making. I mean, that's a reality.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Interesting stuff. Steve Kasher, Dr. Brian Cole, a couple more minutes before we have to go to break. Uh, We've got the NBA Combine uh, coming to Chicago once again and um, what do you guys do you guys really go through every player don't yeah
0: you? I mean it's a busy week the trainers have a lot of commitments during that time there's some uh, continuing education that goes on there's a lot of NBA business that happens during that time um, because it's in Chicago I'm often will give you know a lecture or two to some of the trainers which is always fun because you get to know these guys and you see them after every game and they have a nice uh, camaraderie and um, we on Sunday will, so a lot of the medical evaluations, the testing and so forth happens the week leading up to Sunday. And then Sunday we come in and do physicals on every single player. And uh, we usually combine, some of the teams will combine, but you pretty much put your hands on every single player that comes to a combine, 60 plus guys. And you're doing a physical exam on anything that's relevant and have to go through a tremendous amount of data uh, to get it done. It's, a, it's really, as you it's said, an you're, you're sometimes. Um not teaching,
2: but um, letting these guys know of injuries they may not be aware of, right? Yeah,
0: certainly findings. I mean, all you have to do is breathe that you had, you know, knee pain in utero and you get an MRI as an adult. I mean, it's really, it's crazy. It doesn't take much to, to generate an MRI, and the number of scans that are done are just insane. Um, um, but the threshold is low, and the risks are high, and guys want to know what they're getting. So it's, it's really a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating process that runs surprisingly well.
2: Good stuff. Dr. Brian Cole head team physician for the Chicago Bulls, one of the physicians with the Chicago White Sox, and others from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. I'm Steve Cashel. Hope you're enjoying Sports Medicine Weekly. Dr. Cole and I are back with more after this on ESPN
4: Radio. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Ow, that's not good. Or having an accident. At work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy.
1: Better for everybody. I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance, scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT. Com.
2: We're excited to announce our new Sports Medicine Weekly custom podcast app on iTunes. It's all free. Just go to the App Store, search for Sports Medicine Weekly. Our app gives listeners easy access to their favorite Sports Medicine Weekly shows without getting lost in confusing screens and pop up ads. The team at Sports Medicine Weekly is dedicated to delivering content to our listeners on the latest in fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. Optimize your performance with the Sports Medicine Weekly app. As always, we thank our loyal listening and social media followers. You're listening to
0: Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000.
2: That's all the time we have for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board operator producer, Felix Reyes, as well as David Cole for operating our website and doing our business side of Sports Medicine Weekly. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next Saturday at 8.30 for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on ESPN Radio. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.